Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. So good. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me over to Psalms chapter 46. Psalms 46 today, we're going to get into that here in just a few minutes. Um, We had a good time in the uh, uh, 8.30 service. God visited us and ministered to us, and I believe that He's going to do that here for you. I want to minister something that has come about because of, to be honest with you, because of my interaction with people. You know, um, through any given day I'm, and week, I'm interacting with literally hundreds of people. And sometimes it's counseling sessions, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, quick moments at a grocery store seeing somebody, sometimes it's at church or in a service or whatever it is. And there, there's always this thing going on. And because of the role of my life, because of my ministry and where I'm at in life, oftentimes people will seek me out because they're looking for help. Can you say amen? Because quite honestly, we are living in some pretty dark days. We are living in some pretty challenging days. And I don't want to focus on the challenge of our days, because that we know, that will take care of itself. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, in the last days, perilous times will come. That's just what it's going to be. It's, that's the way it is. But what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about your difficulties. I want to talk about your bad days. Has anybody ever had a bad day here? Raise your hand. Amen. A few of you, those of the, that you didn't raise your hand, your bad day's on its way. And it's like, whoa, 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 time out, time out. Don't be cursing me. No, I'm, I'm not cursing you today. I'm just telling you the reality of this life. The reality of this life is, is that difficult times come. They just happen. It's not necessarily about you. It can be about you. It can be about things that you've done. But oftentimes, things happen in life. Can you say amen? amen. They just happen. It's life. It's because we live in a broken world. And living in a broken world means that at times from... Time to time, we're going to have some difficulty. They're not all going to be great days. Now, we can always have the victory, but they're not always going to be great days. So I want to make a statement to you, and I want you to listen to this. So here's this statement. Life is hard, but God is good. Let me say it again. Life is hard, but God is good. Now, I think this is a statement that all of us can relate to in some way or another. We've all experienced the pain and trouble that life can throw at us. We've all lived through difficult days, and and in some very real ways, there are days that we wish we could forget altogether. Yet, if you will take the time to look back and just really take the time, don't, 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 allow your emotions to look, but look with clear eyes and look back, you will see that God has actually been with you in each and every one of those times. That He is in fact there. He is a very present help in the time of need. Here's the problem. 
is that I, f- I feel like that what we do, because I see this in myself, I see this in myself a lot, is that when I go through difficult times, oftentimes the very first one I want to blame is God. And the reason that I want to blame God is because somehow I can believe that I've earned enough points that I shouldn't be going through this. That somehow I am the special one and the special one shouldn't have to have these problems. Or somehow I believe that, that you know what, once you get saved, difficult times won't be there. It won't, you know, it shouldn't be there. But the reality is it's Jesus that said that in this life you will have tribulation. There's going to be difficult times. Some more than others. Some horrendous. Can you say amen to that? But it seems that right in the middle of the most difficult of situations and circumstances, if we'll admit it, and if we'll pay attention to it, God reveals himself in ways that are truly remarkable. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to focus on the fact that our God is a very present help in the time of trouble. You say, why are you preaching this? Again, the reason I'm preaching this is because my experience and my interaction with people shows me that a lot of people are struggling. There's a lot of people that are having difficult days for a variety of reasons. And what I want you to know, and I believe more importantly, what I believe God wants you to know is that he's there. He's there for you. He is a very present help in the time of need. How many remember the prophet Jeremiah? Jeremiah was quite the prophet. He, 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 much of his ministry, if not all of his ministry, um, you would not mark it as being the most successful. If you had to go look at the fruit of his ministry, you would go, wow, you're not doing really good. I mean, because he prophesied and he told people exactly what God wanted them to hear, but they got mad and they turned their back and they, they, they tormented him and they got after him. They even imprisoned him. They, and I mean, and when I'm talking about, we're not talking about like these camps that they have today. I'm talking about that they put him in the dungeon, in the pit, in the dungeon, and they would have to lower water and bread town to him. And, and there was one time that he was actually in the muck, the mire. And when you read that, you kind of get this idea that this is the lowest part of the, of the prison. And if you know anything about plumbing, you know what rolls downhill. Yeah. And this is where he's at because of his stand for God because of him prophesying and speaking the word of God. In fact, Jeremiah was so upset about it, at one time he actually shakes his hand and, and accuses God. He says, you duped me. You, you lied to me. You're stronger than me. And you, you said these things and look what's happening to me. And he goes, and I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to speak your word anymore. But the Bible says his, the word of God burned in him. And he says that I can't keep it. I can't contain it. I have to speak it. And Jeremiah saw some of the most horrific 
situations. In fact, it was the prophet Jeremiah that was in Jerusalem when the Babylonians came and sieged Jerusalem, and they had surrounded the city. This was the tactic of the enemy. The enemy would come and build a camp around the city, and nothing would go in or nothing would go out. And basically what they were doing is they were starving them to death. Well, in this case, the enemy had surrounded the city. People are starving, and they are reduced down to a level of cannibalism that is almost unbelievable in many ways. But right in the middle of all of it, Jeremiah refocuses his view, and he writes these words. Listen, Lamentations chapter 3, 22 through 26, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. <clears throat> Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Amen. Listen to that. You got to think, you got to put this in context. I mean, things that are going on in this city right now is horrific. It's horrible. It's bad. It's not good. And in many ways, the reason it's happening is because they have turned their back on God. But here, Jeremiah the prophet begins to speak about who God is. And he says, look at you guys. I know this is bad. And I know it's horrific. And I know that you're the cause of it. But God's love is faithful and it never ends. His mercies never cease. He is a great God. He is good, and His mercy is new every morning. Amen. And He says, you know what? Let me tell you. Hope in Him. Depend on Him. Search for Him. And wait <coughs> quietly for His salvation. Isn't that amazing? What is He saying? He's telling them life is hard, but God is good. It's the essence of what Jeremiah is saying. Thank God this morning that we have never had to face what these people face. And, and the truth is we probably never will. Even when things get rough, we probably won't face what they're facing in this story. But yet that doesn't mean that we haven't had difficult days. Because we have. We've had those moments when we think we're convinced, I don't know that I could go on. We've had those moments when it's been so dark that you can't see hope in front of you. It's, it, it feels that God is so distant that he's actually abandoning you. It's in those difficult circumstances, those unfair. How many have ever lived through some unfair situations? It's in those moments of bad days that bring about a defining moment in our life. Because it's in those moments when it appears that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's in those days when happiness seems like a vapor fading into nothing. 
It's in the moments of life when we feel a lost, we feel lost and alone and unable to regain our footing. It's in those days that God does his most powerful work in our lives. Because it's in those moments that we learn that God is a very present help in the time of need. Listen to me, there's not a person on this planet who does not need help from time to time. Amen. We all need help from time to time. And it's David that understood this the best. He writes in Psalms 34, 19, he says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, I know, church, I'm with you. I know that deliverance may not happen as fast as we would like. And our season of trouble may be with us longer than we want. Yet in that season, the God of all hope causes a peace that passes all understanding to flow into our lives, giving us the strength and the courage to wait on Him. Listen, while He works out the details of our deliverance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, well, if that's true, why doesn't He just deliver me? I don't know that I can answer that question. I don't know if I'm qualified to know the thoughts of God. I'm not qualified to know His ways. His thoughts are higher than mine. His ways are higher than mine. But here's what I trust, is that He is good and that He loves me. I trust that. I've made a decision to trust that. To say, God, you are good and you are a very present help. Here's the problem. The problem is what we focus on. Now look at, I don't for a minute want to minimize anything that you have gone through. Some of us have gone through horrific things for a very long time. Things that are unthinkable. I don't want to minimize any of that. But I can tell you this. Here's the thing that I know. If you choose to focus on that, it will not fix it. It just won't. It's like needing a Phillips head screwdriver and showing up with a jackhammer. You could show up with a jackhammer but likely you're just going to destroy everything you touch. See, the thing is, in human nature, there's a part of us that wants to be in control. And so we want to fix things. We want to solve the problem. We, even if we can't solve the problem, then our goal is to un- at least understand it. And so we spend lots of time rehearsing it and cursing it, then nursing it. We nurse it, and we rehearse it, and then we curse it, and then we take it back. We hold on to it. Then we give it away. No, I want it back. Then we give it away. No, I want it back. Then we give it away. No, 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 I need it back. Because see, somehow when you give it away, you feel like you've lost control or, or that somehow it didn't matter.
in our text in Psalm 46, David captures this thought very well. He says, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is the, in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He is a very present help, meaning that He is in the midst of every situation we are facing. And it can feel at times, though, it can be very easy to feel that He is far away when we are struggling. I remember there's a book that was written by C.S. Lewis. It's a great book. I recommend the book if you're dealing with grief. It's called A Grief Observed. And basically what it is is when C.S. Lewis was losing his wife to cancer as she was passing away, and then the, the days and weeks that followed her death, he kept a journal recording what he was going through. And so in the midst of that journal, he decided to write this book. Basically, it is his journal. It's not, it's not been made nice. It's not pretty because there's moments where he questions God. He says, how come, God, when it's the darkest, you seem the farthest? But when the light is shining and the birds are singing and the day is pleasant, you are right there. It's very real. It's very human. And he captures something in that moment. Because it's very easy when we're going through difficult days to go, God, you're just, you've abandoned me. You've left me. You've left me to my own devices. You are gone. You've taken your hand off me. And we begin to believe that only to our own demise because what happens is then we stop responding to him. Rather than being a very present help, he becomes a very distant deity. But His Word tells us that He is near and that He is our help. His promise is that He would never leave us. Listen, never leave us or forsake us. Though we may find ourselves tempted to believe otherwise. Psalm 91, 15 says this, He shall call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Deuteronomy 4, 7 says, For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. Amen. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart 
and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And I could go on with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of God guaranteeing that He is there in our trouble. In fact, I'll go and I'll remind you of something. I preached about three years ago, probably four years ago. In fact, I'm thinking about resurrecting this this sermon series. I preached on the Holy Spirit, and the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being our helper. He is our intercessor. He makes intercession for us. He prays for us. Holy Spirit does. The interesting thing, the word intercessor in the Greek, it literally means to actually get into the problem of the one that needs the help. He said, well, how do you see that? What is, the, what, is the, what is the picture of that? The picture of it is this, is that he is the original rescue swimmer. So what, what do you mean by that? Do you, have you ever watched those shows, The Coast Guard? And The Coast Guard has a rescue team that goes out and they rescue uh, people that are stranded on the ocean. Some of these people, have, their boat has sank and they are now helpless. They are literally in a storm and the sea is rough and it's, there's waves and wind and lightning and thunder and all of this. And all of a sudden a helicopter comes and there is a guy that is on that helicopter and he is called the rescue swimmer. He is the deliverer. He is in that moment the savior. And what he does is he gets, climbs down a rope and he actually gets into the ocean that is trying to take you out and he puts his arms around you and he pulls you out. He actually gets into your problem and rescues you from that point. That is the picture of intercession. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's who he is. He is the original rescue swimmer. To hear the Lord say, I am here this morning is foundational to our peace in the midst of any trouble. The one who knows the end from the beginning is able to strengthen us with might in our inner man during times of difficulty because of his presence. It's kind of like when we're kids. Remember on the playground when a bully showed up and they're bullying you, but then all of a sudden somewhere miraculously your dad decides to pick you up early and there's your dad standing there and all of a sudden there's this wave of security that comes over you. Have you ever been in a situation where there is turmoil going on, but then all of a sudden somebody who has the ability to solve the problem, or maybe, maybe it was something like this, maybe you were stranded in a car, your car down, you're in the middle of nowhere, you don't have any water, it's 120 degrees, and you're thinking, dear God, what's going to happen? And somebody pulls up and says, no problem, I'm a mechanic and I have all my tools and I got a bunch of water. And you go, oh dear God, thank you. That's the feeling, the relief from the fear is tangible. See, our God is a Father, and because He is our Father, we don't have to face anything alone anymore. He helps us 
And see, when he comes on the scene, when he comes in his presence, he brings everything that he is with him. He does not, God does not show up unequipped. Have you ever had anybody show up in your life that's unequipped? They show up on the job and they have no tools? Well, I thought you'd have them. <laughs> if I had them, I wouldn't need you. The Bible says in our text, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Think about this. He's not just help in trouble, but he is a very present help in trouble. See, all the help in the world does you no good if it's theoretical or distant or unavailable. You know, we've all had that friend, right? We, how many have got friends? They're always the guy. They're the first one to say, hey, if you need anything, I got your back. I'm there for you. You're going to move? Not a problem. I'll help you move. Amen. You, you, if you can't raise your hand, then you are that friend. <laughs> You always have that friend. But then when the need comes, when all of a sudden you're in need and you say, hey, man, I do, I got, I got to move, man. I, I only have a few days I got to get. Oh, dude, I wish you'd have told me last week. I, I was free last week, but this weekend, you know, I, I'm busy. I, with what? Well, I, I know there's something I'm busy with because I certainly don't want to help you. Come on. God's not like that. God doesn't write a book and tell you how wonderful he is and then go, psych, just teasing. That's not it. God is there. His help is not theoretical. It's not distant. It's not even conditional. Think about this for a moment. There's a lot of people that interpret the things that we go through in life as punishment. That God's help, well, you better get it together. If you got it together, Pat, if you'd stop sinning so much, your life would probably be a lot better. I only say that to Pat because Pat does not sin. Pat is perfect. She's perfect in every way. She is an angel. She's a wonderful angel. But that's what happens. We think, you know what, God's mad at me. Let me, let me tell you something. God is not mad. God is not a four-year-old child that stomps his feet and swings his arm around because he doesn't get his way. He is not some little kid that didn't get his candy bar at the, in the line at the grocery store throwing a fit because somehow you didn't live up to the rules that he put down. God is a father that loves you. And he understands you. He knows your frame is but dust. And he's not mad. And he's not punishing. The reality is we live in a broken world. And sometimes the things that we go through are just life happening. Sometimes they are stuff that we've done. The Bible says that, that we reap what we sow. If we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. But we sow to the Spirit, we reap life everlasting. Sometimes it is because what we've done. But let me tell you, God's help is not conditional. God does not come down and go, okay, you, I'll help you, but you got to clean this up. God gets involved and helps you while you are being cleaned up by Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our text is probably one of the most powerful promises in all of the Word of God. 
Listen to this, just, just a few verses out of our text. Psalm 46 again. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth shall be moved and though the mountains be carried away or carried into the midst of the sea, though, the, 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 though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Listen, as we read this, we're overwhelmed by it. Because God is so powerful in this moment, we never have to fear again. Because it doesn't matter, he's saying, it does not matter if the world is in turmoil. It doesn't matter if the earth is quaking, the oceans may swell, the mountains may crumble into the sea, but I don't have to be afraid. Amen. The amazing thing, let me, let me tell you something, there's been more talk in the last several years about the last days that were in them. But Christians, we go out with a high hand. We go out in victory. Jesus is not coming back for a beaten down, abused bride. He's coming back for a glorious, resurrected bride that is full of life and power and glory. Jesus is not taking second best. Jesus is taking first. We are not going down. We are going over in victory. Can you say amen. amen. But yet Christians over and over, you better get ready. Yeah, I'm ready for Jesus to show up and show off. <laughs> Life can be in complete chaos. And he can, things can be in total uproar around you. But because of him, his word says we'll have peace like a river. And though the nations rage, powerful streams of joy will flow to our lives. Here's the thing that throws us off. Is, well, yeah, well, what about the story you just read? They didn't have it so good. I'm not worried about them. I don't compare my life to them. Amen. See, that's what happens. I, I have this happen. This is a, something that buffets me all the time. I'll be contending for healing, and the thought will come into my mind, well, he didn't heal so-and-so. Why do you think he's going to heal you? I don't know about so-and-so. I don't have to worry about so-and-so. I have no idea what's going on in their lives. I just know what his word says. And his word says he'll heal me. Well, so-and-so went through hell. Good. Praise God. I'm not going. And if I do go through, I'm going through with him. Amen. And I'm going to be right there all the time by my Lord and Savior. Because that's the choice I make. I choose. As I bring this to a close, and Jason can come if he wants to play the piano. I want to read out of the Bible. The reason I couldn't put this on my stand, watch. <laughs> Way to God, the Word of God is a weighty thing, you know what I mean? Well, the reason, I believe you guys could probably read that from back there, the print's so big, so. I want to read a psalm to you. And I, I, I decided to do this because I thought, I thought about actually just putting this in my notes, putting it on the screen. 
But sometimes that can seem so sterile. I, I want to speak to you. I want to read this to you. And I want you to listen. Psalm 31, he says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. That phrase, I put my trust, it literally means I come into your security and safety. I put myself in you. Let me never be ashamed. I'm not going to be disappointed when I do that. When I come to you and I walk in your safety and security, when I, am, I'm a, I come into you as a refuge, I will not be disappointed. I will not be discouraged. I will not be ashamed. I will not be a disgrace. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. He, he is so gentle that he will take you and he's listening when all you can do is whisper. He will bow down. You've got his attention. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Listen to the words, the descriptive words that he's saying. He's using these words that in their day and age, this is an impenetrable place. It is a place found in the mountain. It's in a cave where, where there is only one entrance and one exit, and there's a great place of defense, but the mountain surrounds them. There was no known weapon at the time that could penetrate, that could get them. And he says, this is who you are. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. In other words, God, it's your reputation that's on the line. <laughs> when you come along and save me, you're saying, look, I guarantee your safety. I guarantee your security because it's my reputation that's on the line. Pull out the net which they have secretly laid for me. How many know the enemy will try to set you up? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we didn't even know was a situation until it began to happen. And God says, God says I'll pull you out before that ever happens. He goes, for you are my strength and into your hand. I commit my spirit. In other words, I'm saying, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving it to you and you alone. You have redeemed me. You've bought me back. You paid the price. You paid the ransom. They took me hostage and they wanted, they wanted something and you came and you gave it. You redeemed me. Oh, Lord God of truth. He says, I've hated those who regard useless idols. In other words, they pay attention to something that has no power. Jonah put it this way. He says, those that regard useless idols forsake their own mercy. So what does that mean? In their day, they actually had idols. In our day, our problems become an idol by the weight of attention that we give to it. Did you catch that? 
Anything that exalts itself against, uh, above God is an idol. And the moment we begin to pay attention to the problem more than God, we have made our problem an idol. And when you, when you pay attention, or what does his word say? say? When you regard useless idols, when you regard and pay attention to the pain and the problem in your life more than you do God, you actually forsake, Jonah says, your own mercy. The mercy that's on reserve for you. He says, but I trust in the Lord and I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy for you have considered my trouble. Listen, you've considered, do you know your trouble is on God's mind? God says, let me think about it. You think about me and I'll think about your problem. That's what he's saying. You think about me and I will think about your problem. You have known my soul in adversity and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. In other words, you didn't abandon me. You didn't look at me and go, man, you're a mess. You ever been at Walmart and see somebody from the church? And you think, oh, I'm going to say hi. But somehow they dart away from you. What's that mean? What's all that about? God. God doesn't show up at church and go, oh, dear God, look who just came. <laughs> Holy cow. You sit on the front row, so. Pat just walked in the door. Don't say nothing. Oh, my gosh. God doesn't do that. God doesn't go, oh, there's the problem, child. Huh. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this guy. I've spoke to him and I've spoke to him and I've spoke to him. You know what? The best thing we can do is probably just give him over to the enemy. You have not shut me up into the hands of the enemy. But what you did, God, look at, he says, you have set my feet in a wide place. You know, I love that. You know, in, in construction, I, I've had the opportunity to be involved in construction and I've, I've, with other guys, I've framed houses and there's a thing called rolling the trusses. You know, those big things that make the roof, the triangle looking things. Those are called trusses and they put them up there. And then there's a guy, there's always a couple guys that are up there. They're eight, 10, 12 feet in the air walking on two by fours. And they're rolling trusses. They're moving them out and then they bend over and they're pounding nails and doing all this stuff and they are sure-footed up there. If you put a two-by-four on that floor, I would probably fall off if I tried to walk on it. In fact, I feel a little bit nervous right now on this stage. When the boys came to me and says, we need to make a little stage in front of the big stage. I'm like, why? The lighting will be better. They'll see you better. I'm saying, well, if they can't see me, then something's wrong. But they insisted, and so we made this. And sometimes I feel a little antsy here. But, you know, I felt good back here. This is the big stage. This is a wide place. This is a wide place. You only have to fall off a stage once before you realize that this is good. You say, have you fallen off the stage? Yes, unfortunately. Back in the day before this was a stage, the old stage, which is under this new stage, is back right about here. This is where the stage ended, right here. And there was steps. You say, how do you know that? Say, watch. Listen, just listen. 
See how it sounds hollow? Now watch. Concrete. That's the old stage. And one day it was during, I don't know if Jason will remember this, it was during a worship practice. He'd remember. It was during a worship practice and I was right about here on the old stage and I was, you know, thinking about other things and I'm going to come off and I forgot that it was three feet in the air, two and a half feet in the air. And so I just take a step. Have you ever taken a step where you forgot that there's a raise and it startles you? Well, when you go down two and a half feet, it's a big step. I fell to the ground. And when this body hits the ground, all the air comes out of it. Anyway, it all comes out. And I went, oh. And everybody's like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And I wanted to crawl under the carpet. I wanted to hide. I jumped up. I could have had broken bones and I would have been, okay, I'm getting out of here. But God puts me in a wide spot so that my feet don't slip. He goes on and he says this. I'm going to speed up here. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I'm in trouble. He cries out to God, I'm in trouble here, God. Have mercy on me. He goes, my eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. He says, I've gotten myself in some of this, not all of it, but my own, my own actions have caused some of this and my bones waste away. I'm a reproach among all my enemies. In other words, he says, my enemies, they're, they're laughing at me. I'm a joke to them but especially among my neighbors. And I'm repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I'm forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel, for I hear the slander of many and fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. David is in a horrible place. But he goes on and he says, but as for me, here's the decision. He just described his trouble. He says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. In other words, my life is completely in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies. And from those who persecute me. Listen to this. Make your face shine upon your servant. That is the picture of favor upon our life. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed. O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let, let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those that fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. In other words, this victory is not going to be private. God is going to show your victory to the world. You shall hide them in the secret of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them a secure pavilion from the strife of tongues. 
What is he saying? He's saying to us today, I know there's trouble in this life. But when that trouble comes, I will be a very present help in the time of need. Say, well, what do I got to do? All you have to, there's not a, a lot of steps. It's not going to give you 50 steps to the help. One step, receive it. Believe it. Trust it. Let it be yours. Don't pay attention to the problem. Pay attention to God. That doesn't mean you deny it. I'm not saying that you walk around, yeah, I don't have no problems, I have no problems. But they are His. My problems are His because He thinks about them. I will think about Him. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank You. We thank You for the truth of Your Word, God. We thank You for Your grace and Your goodness, Lord. And Father, we pray, Lord, today, God, is that we've come to this place, God. Many of us are struggling, even at this moment. There are dark things, difficult days ahead, and they're ongoing right now. But Lord, we cast all of those on you. We give them to you, and Lord, we commit our lives into your hands, God. And Lord, we will remind ourselves that you are a very present help in the time of need. And we thank you, Jesus for your grace upon us. And Father, I ask, Lord, that you would deliver those that are struggling. And Father, I pray that you would make yourself real to them. Make yourself real to them, Lord, and help them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come up, those that pray. And the reason that we do this, as you know, is because we want to give you an opportunity to be able to receive prayer. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, that was me. I'm struggling. Come up and let these pray for you. Let them bless you. Let them lay hands on you and pray for you. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're going to release you today. God bless you. You guys have a great day. We'll see you next week. God. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.